<laughs> All right, I'll probably cut that out because that sounded like Please shit, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're also asking me to cut it Please out. Please cut it out. Don't cut uh, it out and really? then leave this conversation about us about yeah. us not liking it in there. So, so everybody's like, what are they talking about? Yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah. Much like Scream. Uh, okay. Wait. <laughs> okay so this is uh will help on a movie it's a movie podcast um i am perrin you can find me on twitter i'm at perrin mercer yeah and then with me today i have i'm uh whoa there's a motorcycle going on in the background i hope the audio doesn't pick that up if it does whoops that would be awesome um room room baby um i'm oliver i am also on twitter at oliver no filler but on Letterboxd, I'm New Metal Dyke. Yeah. 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 Signed in as New Metal Dyke. That's me. That's you. I'm on Letterboxd. You are You'll find PK me. Mercer. PK Mercer on Letterboxd. Yes. There we go. We figured it out. Wow. We were really prepared to do this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we're recording our first episode on, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? I, How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, noticed, and and I I do, do want to say this is not me making any jokes. This is just me recognizing the ways in which my life personally wasn't affected by 9-11 because I saw a firefighter uh, with in, like, full garb, um, like, carrying a, an American flag just, like, running up the freeway and, like, high-fiving <laughs> a cop. And like, Jesus I was, Christ! I, I was sitting with my friend Chuck in the car, and we were like, "I was like, whoa, it's nine eleven. That's why they're doing that. <laughs> they're going feral because it's nine eleven. Yeah, the firefighters was, are losing their minds. I, I don't know. It was pretty badass, personally. I thought it was like yeah. fucking. I mean, it was like hot outside, and he was like in fucking full gear. I mean, all things considered, I guess they wear that shit in like literal fires. But um, <laughs> so it's actually very comfortable for him right now. Yeah, it was fucking tight. He had earbuds and I like had driven back and Whoa. forth because I had to go. <laughs> Chuck's my personal redneck. Um, right. And I had to go scoop him so that he could get the dead turkey. Uh, off our oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to go and get my personal redneck to s- yeah. scoop the turkey off the porch that fucking smashed its own head into the window in your barn or, or whatever yeah, it was that yeah. happened. Yeah, I have pictures, so when we... when we Wait, wait, okay, hold on. So on 9-11, a turkey flew into a building. <laughs> no, it didn't happen on 9-11. This happened oh, three days okay. ago. I noticed that the turkey was dead um, on the porch yesterday. And uh, this morning, Sasha took Bonnie out and came back in and was like, it is rancid. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That shit's absolutely dead. And uh, I went and, uh, you know, texted my personal redneck and said, do you have the spoons to get this fucking turkey off my porch? (laughs) Can you come and peel this shit up, please? Um, Get rid of it. I think that's actually what I said. I said, can you peel this up with a shovel? Yes. <laughs> um, and he came with gloves and everything and wow. um, looked at me and said, do maggots freak you out? Because if so, I would clear the area. <laughs> 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 Fucking gross. It's just so gross. Yeah. 
so yeah welcome to help i'm a movie and the this is about the turkey that died on my porch now yeah it's actually about uh with dead turkey yeah it's the first podcast of its kind yeah um when we post the episode i'll uh attach the photos that my housemate posted of it after it concussed itself um i don't know what it thought it was doing um i'll just wait for the motorcycle wow wow i just for what it's worth i can't hear anything i can (laughs) um (laughs) And uh, my audio is showing that, like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, is showing that it's picking it up. Um, That's fine. It can be cut out. My extended periods of silence. Um, You should, uh, you should run out there and be like, "Excuse me, we're recording a podcast." (laughs) Shut up! I'm on the, I'm on the side of the house that's supposed to be quiet too. It's fucked up. That is fucked up. Um, okay, so (laughs) we're talking about Scream today. Scream. Uh, which is a 1996 slasher horror satire movie. Yeah. Um, uh, directed by uh, Wes Craven, who is very well known for this. And then also Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And uh, Swamp Last... Thing, I think. Yeah. The it's... original Last House on the Left and the original uh, The Hills Have Eyes as well from the 70s. Yeah. So he's a very famous figure in American horror films. Yeah. And the the script for Scream was done by a guy called Kevin Williamson. And the thing that's interesting about it is that it has this very meta um, satirical approach to how it tells its story. And then also being like aware of the fact that it's a horror movie. And it actually does some pretty cool stuff to subvert the tropes that it's kind of making fun of which is always neat to see yeah i mean isn't like i mean the whole thing with like 80s horror at that point in time was like they were all like stalking slashing babysitters and like notoriously horror films like all follow this sort of like formulaic structure but i think like you were saying how meta it all is sort of like subverts that typical formula by calling attention to a lot of the cliches and like tropes yeah. that are in like typical slasher films. Yeah, it's it is a movie that is like even though it's clearly like about these like certain things, it does actually stand on its own as like a very fun like it's almost more of a mystery because the entire time you're trying to figure out who the killer is. Yeah. Um, which isn't something that, I mean, at least for like most like slasher films that usually doesn't come up. It's usually just about like getting away from the killer rather than trying to figure out who the killer is. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which is fun and cool. Like I, I'm probably just going to keep saying the word fun. Cause this is a perfect movie to describe like what a fun movie is to me. Like, it's just a great time watching this yeah and i i think like i was like in the last 20 minutes of like this watch through i've seen this i don't know how many fucking times i've seen this movie well this is your your number one favorite movie yeah this is like this is like it for me um (laughs) uh (laughs) so i could probably go on about 
I, I, I like feel like I'm gonna get caught that it's like, oh, everyone's gonna find out it's not actually my favorite movie, and I don't have anything to say about Scream. Um, oh fuck! <laughs> oh fuck! I've been foiled. Well, um, I didn't actually expect you to take me up on recording this episode at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just like, fuck! You're calling my bluff. So here I am. I think like in this lot in this rewatch. The tone shifts are so bizarre. Oh uh, yeah, I, they're so weird because and it's like I it's rumored. Oh, uh, that- just 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 really quick uh, with spoilers on the way because we're probably going to talk about like yeah. the way the movie ends and all that kind of junk. So, uh, I am a type of person where I would recommend watching a movie before hearing all the spoilers about it, um, especially yeah. this one because yes. if you because if you know nothing about Scream. Um, it's actually really cool to watch through it and actually experience it the whole way through. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I, I'm definitely going to go into spoilers at this point in time. But yeah, everything we said sure. before that, I think, provides a really good lens through which to sort of like, I mean, I don't think you really need a lens to watch this movie, but I know that we were talking about before well, y- that people go. You needed. And, you need a, yeah, okay, yeah. You needed a lens to shoot, to shoot it. To shoot it, to shoot it. Anyway, that's my really funny joke that I interrupted you for. <laughs> um, like we were talking about before, people go into horror and they expect scary, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, don't, um, I think, consider that camp is really integral to horror, and horror would be nothing without camp. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I think for a movie that was made for the MTV generation, oh, yeah. um, it's like campy in a way that's like if you're into film as like an art form you can really appreciate it if you're not you know a snob um but if you're (laughs) if you're also just like someone who's just like i just like the slasher it's a really really good one um especially yeah like it holds up on its own yeah it holds up especially if you know it's not something that's meant to take itself like so seriously um, yeah, I, I, so I think it's very interesting to me because I, I like to look at film as like what it is, which is this continuum, and we're always like experiencing the fallout of what was released 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years back. And this movie is in a very, very interesting place because. At least from what I know of, through the late uh, 1980s and, and into the early uh, 1990s, horror movies, they sucked. And they weren't the big draws that I think they used to be, um, especially uh, in the like early to mid-80s um, when you had all of your slashers and you had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you had Halloween and like all those things. And it sort of falls off as you get into the 90s and then this movie comes out and in terms of mainstream horror i really do think we owe a lot to this movie um in in terms of like how popular horror films are today and how big budget they tend to be i do think we are in like a kind of horror renaissance in terms of like there's a lot of different kinds of it um from a lot of different places and there are horror movies being consistently like released and i think a lot of it can actually be traced back to the popularity of this movie which is really like one of the first good ones of its like generation uh like you have this and then you have like uh i know what you did last summer 
um, and like those, and then that sort of paves the way for stuff like Saw, and and just like more more of this like resurgence of like art horror and like horror that's like aware of itself and also camp horror. I like I feel like we probably wouldn't have Jennifer's body um, oh, without sure. something like this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this movie is very interesting. And uh, for me, at least, the sort of contemporary horror landscape kind of starts with this one. And I'm not like a film scholar, but I watch too many fucking movies. And that's just, <laughs> kind, of, just kind of the conclusion I've come to. Yeah. Um, I would, all, I mean, like, obviously, I agree. I would say that Scream is definitely what kickstarted. I mean, it's my all-time favorite movie, but also probably was something that kickstarted my interest in, like, slashers as a mm. genre as a whole. And this was a different slasher. I mean, I feel yeah. like it, it's interesting because of the place and time that it was released. And also in the way that is it's doing something that had been done over and over for a decade prior um, through like, you know, Halloween, etc. Yeah. Um, and is something that like, is like, okay, so how do we take this thing that's been done over and over again and change it? Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I also think that um, unlike a lot of other slashers, um, and I know that I had mentioned something about tone. It's like you have like this very campy, weird tone. Um, Stu constantly making jokes about like the first murder victim. Um, yeah, well, th- I, well, that's just Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> like, like stuff like that, that, like versus like Billy's weird shit being actually like rooted in like real oh, yeah. psychology that informs like how serial killers have functioned historically um because i'm also yeah. like a weirdo that ha- was like 13 and had a serial killer phase and has watched like <laughs> so much criminal minds um and read helter skelter and all that bullshit but i think like i mean this is kevin williamson's debut script yes um, i believe so and like i said before it's like in like you have said before it's like you know this is period piece in a lot of ways and oh, yeah. like also something that's like for the MTV generation with like references to like shit like what do they reference like oh uh, it's like Ricky Lake Tori spelling yeah and Ricky Lake yeah and, or uh, and, like Meg Ryan they, they... but to get into like my my brain because I think an analysis with film like I, I I guess in this part when I watched it, I thought about this movie in like three parts mm-hmm. um like the first part being like Casey. Becker, which is Drew Barrymore, which in the classic Wes Craven, oh here, yeah, here's your scream queen. They used they used Drew Barrymore as like the she was the promotional image like on every movie yeah. poster because I mean you know it was Kevin Williamson's uh, screenplay debut, etc. Yeah, you like know how do how do you make a it, slasher? Like no one, yeah, how, in an era of slasher films, stock and slash. How do you how do you make a slasher interesting, especially one that's going to be as uh, metafiction heavy as yeah this one and i also would like to add that billy on the poster of this film looks mm-hmm. nothing like he does in the movie he has like a full-on goatee really? um and he just like <laughs> like very dark very johnny true? depp 
looking. And like, looks, That's awesome. Yeah. I Yeah, I had no clue. He looks nothing well, like himself. This movie was, like, kind of, like, uh, I was, like, one of the big things was that, that, like, a lot of people talk about how it's, like, reminiscent a little bit of, like, Psycho, because mm-hmm. it kills off its main star within the first, like, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of the movie feels like, even though it kickstarts the rest of the movie, it feels very self-contained. Oh, um, it, it's it's probably the most... I remember when I was like, Sasha, this is my favorite movie. You gotta watch this. We, we started it, and we, did, we had to stop because we didn't have subtitles, and if I don't have subtitles, I just hear warbling. Um, <laughs> Birds, <laughs> um, like, singing. She, we, like, stopped, and she was like, that was the most gripping ten minutes of a film that I've ever seen. Because oh, wow. it's like, I mean, the first ten minutes, they come in hot. And, oh, yeah. like, something that I really like about Scream and, like, all of... I mean, the women in the film are incredible. Um, Wes Craven loves his final girl. And loves his girls in general. Even though, like, you know, Tatum, she gets KO'd by the garage door, um, by the transit property, either Stu or Billy. And, like, she still kicks his ass, like, on the way. And so, and that's, like, one of the funniest scenes in the whole film. Yeah. Because she's just, like, one of my favorite parts about this movie is, is how much, like, literal, like, slapstick humor there is in it. The way the serial killer's just, like, he's just, like, scampering around the whole time. It's also just, like... I like how much they, like, constantly challenge. Like, I don't know, because, like, serial killer psychology, psychos, they they don't like when you change. And for the record, I'm saying psychos. I'm a, a, a mentally ill freak with a sicko brain. I don't want anybody coming for me and calling me ableist <laughs> on the internet. Thank you very much. I'll show you well, my pill organizer if you want. <laughs> um, well, no one's going to listen to this, so. No one's going to listen to our podcast. That's the classic. <laughs> That's the classic, like, oh, you're safe because it's a podcast in a fucking sea of podcasts. (laughs) Um, But, like, this sort of just, like, constantly challenging their masculinity and consistently challenging, like, their ability to perform. And I think it's so funny that every single time this fucking goof in this stupid-ass mask comes up, they're just like... Hey Randy. He gets he hey, gets the here, shit Hey the nerdiest yeah. fucking dude that I know. You're not going to hurt me. I'm just going to yeah, leave like, out the other door. Like what the fuck? fucking weirdo. You're dressed up as like a ghost or so. Like you look fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're fucking when when they're in the bathroom and like the boots drop down yeah. and then they drop the cloak down. And it's like, bro, that doesn't even cover your ankle. Someone could it's ID awesome. you by your shoes. Yeah, and it's also like, you're like wearing jeans like <laughs> underneath the fucking, the costume. Yeah. That's great. It's like, no one will be able to tell who I am. But yeah. what I really love about um, the first 10 minutes of this movie and basically about all of the subsequent films, but um, is like the girls are always flirting with the killer in some capacity oh yeah always not taking like like always not completely taking him seriously but like very interested because they want to know what's going on and that keeps you you know as the viewer so to speak engaged because they're keeping the story moving but it's just so much setup and it's uh, it's like every single one of those it's like they just approach it like oh it's a stupid high school boy and like he's trying to do like a bit right yeah and it's like it's like 
realistically speaking, I'd probably think the same thing. And I think oh, that's absolutely. the thing about about Scream in general is that it's so visceral. I when they were panning out, you know, at the very end and the last shot of the film is them panning out um to to Stu's house and Gail mm-hmm. Weathers is saying this peaceful farmhouse it fucking looks like where i grew up in connecticut i mean i didn't live in a house that big and <laughs> but yeah, holy like fuck well that shit like at the end of the movie that's a fucking castle like for sure yeah yeah but like and they just left their kids alone oh um, yeah and like they pan out and it just like i think that's the big thing why uh the big part why scream is just like kind of just like ooh, kind of scary in a way um, even though, you know, the fear at this point wears off with how many times I've seen it. But like, sure. it's like so visceral and it's very, 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 very familiar because oh, yeah. it's like it could happen in your fucking town. It yeah, looked like and- my weirdo East bum fuck in nowhere town in Connecticut. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, like, uh, part of it, too, that really, really works is, like, even though there is this, like, satirical edge to it, and even though there is all this, like, slapstick and it's very funny, when someone gets killed in this movie, it is actually horrifying. Like, oh, it is painful. it's brutal. At, like, at the very beginning, when um, Drew Barrymore's character gets killed, there's a part where she tries to scream for her mom, and she can't because she's been stabbed, and her lungs don't work anymore. And it's one of the most, like, upsetting things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like, like... It is horrifying. And yeah. It's like, and it's, it's because great it's like that the, the movie can do that. It's, like, it's one of those things where, like... Whoa. Excuse Holy me. shit. I actually heard vroom, that. Vroom, Um, It's like... Um, I don't know. Have you seen Train to Busan? Yes. Okay. You know how like the big like gut wrenching thing and there's no spoiler about Train to Busan here is just like the sort of like, oh, you're just missing each other. That's what's like so frustrating about that entire sequence because they're literally like less than 100 feet away from each other. And she's right there. And the fact that her mom picks up the phone and on the oh, same yeah. line that fucking sucks. is hearing her get fucking mutilated yeah. is, is like so gut-wrenching. And then, you uh, know, um, Stu and Billy reveal themselves as the true identities of the Flash because they somehow string Casey up and gut her in record fucking oh, yeah. time. In the time that their parents walk in and outside. <laughs> yeah, but that, like, that scene is so beautifully, like, well-crafted, and it's a tribute to, like, Wes Craven knowing exactly how to, like, shoot all of this so that you follow her through all the familiar places in the house and then outside, and then when she's just barely missed her parents, like, on the way in, it, like, you can feel how close they are. And also just, like, how how he, like, directs each of them freaking out like like uh you were saying like the way that the mom like her like performance is so well done and it's so beautifully like you see her entire like transition of getting home expecting to see your daughter and like finding like sheer chaos and it's like she has like a minute of screen time at most and it's like that that's the whole thing about this like film is that like it's being directed by a guy who's a fucking master right like yeah. a guy who's who's who is legitimately very good at making horror films and also like isn't afraid to be like aware of like the fact that the stuff he's done have become tropes you know it, it, it's it is very cool and it's cool that they got him to do it 
Yeah, I mean, the entire sequence is beautiful. And because, like, if we're going to talk about just, like, the auditory experience of, like... Because, I mean, so much of it plays into that sense specifically because Casey's trying to scream and her lung is punctured, so she can't. Oh, yeah. And then a lot of the a lot of what starts the, you know, sequence of, oh, no, someone's going to die is a phone call. So, so much of that is, like, the mode of communication, the method of communication between characters in, like, the film in some way. And because you're walking around in that room in the very beginning with, like, you know, those beautiful wide-angle lens shots to set up the background, Mm -hmm. um, you get, like, a feeling for how small that space actually feels and how much chaos actually went on in that small space. And just, like, I know that I mentioned it when we were watching it, but just, like, I love the subtle Dutch tilt whenever they pick up the phone. Like, oh, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. And it's like, yeah. sometimes if a, if a Dutch tilt is overdone, it'll make me feel a little woozy, like a little motion sick. But sure. like, the way that it isn't just like a solid Dutch tilt, like, you know, a lot of 80s horror is just like, sure. here is this shot. It's just moving because it's just, you know, it's meant to be anxiety inducing. And it's even more anxiety yeah. inducing because you're confronted with like the visceral experience of like everybody else's anxiety oh yeah and and it's like at the same time it's like not only is like this shot able to do these like very like subjective things it's like it also has a dual purpose where by doing the dutch angle you can see the dad going up the stairs in the background and you get his reaction to the mom's reaction as he like turns around and it's like it's such a beautifully thought out and like a very simple shot, but it holds everything in it that it needs to, and it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's fucking fantastic. And and while we're talking about just like shots that we really like, I of course I have to bring up. I love. Um, it happens like three or four times in the entire film, but whenever she first is like looking like outside, trying to see if he's like there, we yeah, get yeah, this yeah. like this like POV shot where like we'll be looking in like one area and then it'll pan a little bit and like look at another spot and then it'll pan a little bit and like look somewhere else. And it's very like, like the camera is doing what the character is doing and also what you're doing, which is you're searching in the background. Like where, like, where is this guy? Like, where is he hiding? And it's like, it's used like four times in the same way, but it never gets old and it never feels like, oh, like they're doing the trick again. Like it is, yeah. it's always perfectly used and it's great because it's like, it doesn't take you out of the like, the cinematic nature of the movie, but it gives you a very nice, like subjective look where the audience becomes the characters for a very brief second. It's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it. I know I cracked the joke, but it's just, like, the first-person shooter sequence in Doom. Yeah. Um, And it, like, contributes... Because, like, like I was saying, because so much of the horror in this film in particular is so visceral because it's teenagers, Um, it's these pop culture references are references that people understand. That sort of first person, this is what I'm viewing shot, uh, contributes to that fucking visceral anxiety. And, like... Shit like that is what sets it, it. That entire sequence is sets the tone for the entire film, and it's like yeah. what I consider to be. And like you were saying, self-contained. Um, I that's I consider Casey's entire murder from start to finish. Um, the first part of the film. Yeah. And then like part two being Enter Sydney Prescott. Um, yeah. And who the fuck are you? And like what is going on? 
because like and in the second in the second movie it starts to be like a little more methodical um in terms of like how victims are chosen to mirror the order yeah, yeah, that yeah. victims were chosen in the first film um, so fucking but it's like it's uh, so funny God. because like the whole oh what gets me and like i guess this is i mean it's just criticism um, is like Billy's Billy and Stu's whole thing is just like no one needs a motive. You don't need a motive. And then the foundation for the rest of the films are like yeah, are like super methodical. Um, well, like even in that scene, like when they say like we well, they immediately like, identify oh, like, a yeah, motive. It's like yeah, but actually we do have a motive. And yeah, it's like well, it's like but Stu doesn't, which I think is really interesting. Well, it's peer pressure. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's too sensitive. That's that's he's such too a sensitive. Fucking, such a fucking funny line delivery where she's like, "Oh, what are you gonna tell the cops?" And and uh, he's just like, he's just like bleeding out on the phone, and he's just like, "It was peer pressure." It's awesome. Yeah, and I think like like I don't know. It's uh, what I I think about it all the time, but like Billy is so slimy, like so slimy. Oh, like every time I every time movie. I watch the movie, I'm like, it's oh, horrible. it's like you're so gross, especially when he, he slips. He looks Sydney's like he has a window. shower. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just like here, here. Uh, it's like Sydney. You uh, Sydney is clearly very well kept, and I'm just like, bruh, give your boy a bar of soap. It's like who is this like reptile that is your boyfriend? <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, like he's obviously very hot, but he's like hot in like just like a like a grimy way. Yeah, he's so he he like when he slips through Sydney's window immediately after killing Casey, mm-hmm. and like I I was thinking about it. It's just like the weird way that like Billy is just like so frustrated about Sydney's like chastity yeah is like so bizarre especially when so much of his like especially when you like pin it against his frustration being that like her mother was like you know, yeah right quote-unquote slut it, it's just like so bizarre it's like it's just so much setup so much setup yeah so much setup it's like i i'm gonna be frustrated and ask for some nip slip shots because your mom slept with my dad yeah, and, um, and now leave I, Schreiber's yeah. in jail. Yeah, not what yeah. does he play in X Men? With that whole is he in X? Oh, he, he plays he's like Wolverine's plays, brother. Yeah, Wolverine's brother. I yeah. saw that. Uh, my my personal that, redneck like, would know the answer. Uh, uh, it's like with that movie is like X Men Origins Wolverine. And yeah, I, I remember seeing that in theaters whenever that fucking came. It was like middle. It was actually high school probably. And, like, that being one of the first, like, movies where I was just, like, oh, well, that that just fucking sucks. <laughs> like, that was, just, like, for a very long time, I would just watch, like, any movie, and I'd just be like, yeah, it's great, it's a movie. Um, and then it was, like, there were a few that I would watch, and, like, even, you know, my child brain would be like, that, ew, <laughs> why did you make that? Yeah. What else but is... Scream is not one of them. Yeah, Actually, Scream, I, Scream's a I, good movie. <laughs> I like. I probably wouldn't have liked this if I saw this when I was a kid or or, or when I was like a teenager. Um, and like this one movie thing, I, scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Believe it or not. 
Very well, genuinely. I wasn't, like, I, especially, like, early, like, high school, like, I was very squeamish, and I just, like, I didn't like horror films, but I acted like I didn't like them because, like, they were all shitty or bad, right? But I'm glad that I have the, like, the, like, appreciation that I do for that kind of thing now, just because, like, this movie's great, and there's so much in there that's, that's so well done and, like, and, like, put together very well, and also, like, they walk a very thin line. Like, yeah. the one the one thing about the movie that is a little, that gets a little out of hand is um, Jamie Kennedy's whole rants where he talks about the rules and stuff. Like, that gets a little, like, oh, I get it. Like, like you watched a lot of horror movies. Like, yeah. you know the rules and stuff. But, like, part of it is, like, understanding that, like, people might have not known that, like, at the time. And you kind of do have to, like do your job in a sense of like making sure that like people are aware of what you're trying to spoof and all that kind of stuff. But it is the one part of the entire movie that gets a little grading where it's like, okay, like I get it. Like, well, like, yeah, that's you know for about me is shit. when um, the moment that I have, that's like a little similar to that is uh, when, when Billy goes on his whole rant about like, like his whole like monologue um, and is like quoting like this movie and this movie and blah blah oh, blah yeah. and like movies don't create psychos psycho uh, movies make psychos more creative. Um, I actually do really like that line. <laughs> I I I agree. I I would have to agree ultimately. But also, I just I I think that who what's his name that played Billy Neve? Yeah, uh, Skeet Ulrich. Y- yeah. Isn't that a play, Billy? Let me, let me scream. It's, it's some insane name. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty Skeet, sure. yeah, yeah. Skeet Ulrich. Skeet, Skeet Ulrich. Damn, dude. Your name is Skeet? Whoa, well, he was in like, the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, the two, like, leads in this movie are, it's, it's, uh, Skeet Ulrich and, like, Neve Campbell. And it's like, what are those names? Who's Neve Campbell? Uh, with Sydney. Huh? Yeah. Oh, Sydney, Sydney. Oh, I. Yeah. In my brain, Isn't I was this your spelling out. Movie? I, I was. <laughs> in my brain, <laughs> I was spelling out Neve as like, some like Neve from from Catfish. <laughs> oh well, so I like, like I don't know Neve. if that's actually how like how it's pronounced, but it's a weird first name that that you know. Well, Courtney has a, she's got a lot of E's in hers for some reason. Well. And then David Arquette. Ah. uh, Rose McGowan. Yep. Plays Tatum. um, I'm a huge fan of her. I know that she's in, uh, she's in that fucking crazy Robert Rodriguez movie, Planet Terror, where she has, um, like a fucking, fucking crazy. And that's a whole other conversation. Horror and disability is a whole other conversation. Oh, for sure. But fucking insane. Apparently, it passes the Bechdel test. What does? Uh, um, Planet Terror. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that means it's a good movie. Yeah, I know that also she's... Uh... It passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> well, That's you know, awesome. I only watch movies that pass the Bechdel test because I'm... That's so fucking true. A turf. I'm not. I'm trans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trans. Oh, that's awesome. 
Um, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, I just think that, like, like I know that when we were watching it, we were just like, God, the setup is so good. But it's really oh, yeah. so good. And Wes Craven really is a master of that fucking awesome. setup. And just, yeah. like, I love when they're sitting outside and Stu is cracking jokes about Casey's murder. And, like... Billy and Stu are like participating actively in a conversation with their peers, but also having a totally separate conversation oh, with yeah. each other. Like it feels like they're playing with their food before they eat it. Oh, for sure. It, yes. Well, so, so I get like, of course, one of the big things about this movie is that um, there are actually two killers. There's, there's, um, yeah. there's Skeet Ulrich's Billy, who is the main character, Sydney. That's her boyfriend. Um, he's the greasy one. And then... Uh, slimy, slimy guy. Ma- uh, slimy guy. And then uh, Matthew Lillard, just a gem of the acting world. Um, Matthew Lillard plays Stu, who is his friend, who is the other killer. And, like, that's... To think about this movie in a historical context, like, I know it's from the mid-90s. It's sort of hard to think of it as, like, an old movie. But yeah. it's getting there. Um, and like one of the things about it is like having two killers at once was, uh, was a pretty fucking crazy thing. Um, well, yeah, especially and... when slashers are, you know, the, the typical formula for a slasher is yeah. you think, you think Halloween, you think here's Mike Myers slowly moving, slowly stalking Jamie Lee Curtis, even though she's sprinting yeah, and somehow catching up. But and as like... we know, Ghostface moves real fast. God, he's such a scampery little fuck. He's like a he, like a wiggly like one of the balloon guys. All the slapstick, like like. So one of my favorite scenes in the, um in the whole movie is when uh Tatum gets killed in the garage, and I love it because like one, it's like set up, and they do this hilarious like shot where she's like getting beer like out of the fridge, and the door to the garage closes insanely slowly behind her um then we have that great scene where she's like we're talking to the killer and she thinks it's randy and she's like you're being an idiot blah 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 blah, blah and all that stuff and then it sort of turns out that's like oh like this guy's actually trying to fucking kill her um and it's just like he like runs after her and she fucking like she clothes lines him with like the freezer door yeah and then it's like she picks up a couple of like beer bottles um, and she throws them and she hits him twice. The first time she hits him directly in the cock, like directly. And then like he bends over to like hold his dick and then she throws another one and it hits him directly in the forehead. (laughs) It's so good. And then he runs at her and she flips him over her back and he lands on the stairs and it's just like, you're completely fucking this up, dude. She's kicking your ass and it's hilarious. And then it's like, she doesn't even get, like, killed. She gets, like, stuck in the garage door. And then he just, like, opens it and then just, like, breaks her back, I guess, or her neck. Yeah, she's, like, trying to leave through, like, the doggy door. (laughs) Which is all, like, like, all that stuff, like, the little door in the garage for the cat. And then, like, the fact that, like, the garage door, like, it doesn't, like, open all the way. All of that is, like, set up in the first, like, three seconds of this, like, scene starting. It, it's... It's, like, so... It, it's so swift and so easy. Yeah, you get that set so, up just by her accidentally hitting the wrong switch. It's so perfectly just, like, done. And it's, like, you see everything that you need to see. And it's a... And it's a great... Uh, oh, it's a great scene. It's so good. This movie's great. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if we're gonna talk about Stu's party, like, that's what I think is really, like, the third part of the yes. film. Yes. 
Yeah, because sure. like, and really like, you know, the last kill of part two is Henry Winkler, the Fonz, <laughs> and his like passionate ass principal persona. Yeah. Ass uh, principal. There's like, there's like a thing. He's like announcing on the live speaker for the school and he just goes like, and remember your principal loves you. <laughs> yeah. Um, after it's like, like okay, brutally dude. expelling these teenagers and like threatening yeah. them with like these like mayor-sized red ribbon-cutting scissors. Yeah, like, um, it's very much, like, making fun of, like, how, like, old people respond yeah. to, like, all these kids watching MTV. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, and, like... It's, it's very funny. And, like, what is... What else is part three? Oh, it's, like... What did I say? Oh, Dewey's dick is, like, reprehensibly hard. Like, oh, throughout no. the... Throughout... No, it, listen... Listen. Hey, what? It's Courtney Cox. What do you mean? It's Courtney Cox, and let me tell you, she doesn't okay. make my cock very hard. All right. Well, All right. we have two like. No, she's hot. She's then, hot. Cause... They just butcher her bangs. Oh it... yeah. Well, it, yeah. And also, like, they put her like for like the early scenes that we see her. She's in like a neon green like highlighter dress, and it oh, looks see, like I love garbage. that. I would never work. You do? It. I would say. It's it's so insane. It's so off the fucking rails. She's you could see her. Like, you could see her from fucking. She's like eighty <laughs> yards away, and you can see her like running towards fuck, the camera. Fuck eighty yards, way further yeah. than that. Are you kidding me? She they should use her to um, fucking land planes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like on top of her. Yeah, but um, part three, Steve's fiesta. The setup, more <laughs> setup. I'm trying not to go too off the rails because we're reaching the one hour. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. Um, Dewey's reprehensible, reprehensible, reprehensibly hard. Um, Stu does some sneaky shit by sending Tatum to go and get beer. Yeah. Um, and like when we were watching, I was like, oh, he's so sneaky because every time I watch this, I see something new that is oh, just sure. like so like, oh, God, it's just. So, chef's kiss. Um, wearing my James Gandolfini hoodie, he agrees. Oh my god, yeah. Um, and then you get, you know, like you're saying, Tatum versus the garage door. More flirting yeah. with the killer because she's like thinking it's Randy the entire time, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and they all think it's Randy the whole time. Um, well, yeah, he's the movie guy. Yeah, he's the movie guy. And he's fucking obnoxious. So, so obnoxious. And <laughs> so he's so, annoying ob- in this he's one. so obnoxious, and I love it. I know that we're going to do another episode on the second one, but when he, this, like, oh, they, like, flanderize him. It's so, yeah. It's uh, This one is really good and great, but, like, the second one, it's, like, way funnier. They're very Randy... different. They're very different, and I think that's why it's easier to think about this film as yeah. its own separate, like, like I was saying, that I think about this as, like, there's Scream as it, Scream 1996 mm-hmm. as Scream, and then there's Scream 1996, and then there's Scream 2 and 3 and 4 yeah. and 5. <laughs> well, they're making a new one now. Apparently. Yeah, because yeah. um, uh, Wes Craven died, and so they're like, "Yes, finally, we can disgrace the old man." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It might be fine. He, he I starts don't fucking, fucking know. like uh, ghost face wiggling in his grave. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's, please it's, put me out of my fucking misery. Just, I thought I put yeah. I, like I might thought I was already out of it, but I guess yeah. Like, not. I just don't know how to feel about it either because it's like Scream is the kind of thing that it's like. 
well one i'm not a huge fan of like sequels but like i do like how these like things are played out but scream as like a series is like something that you kind of want to like end up dying off because like there becomes a certain point where this like satirical like meta approach to this kind of movie in and of itself becomes a trope and like starts to it's less effective yeah um, it starts becoming the thing that it's trying to circumvent and subvert yeah because like the made of the major motivation here is like revenge and that's what a lot of the yeah. motivator is in like a lot of slasher but in like slasher films but mm-hmm. the first three i will say the first three during the halloween season watch oh, sure. them they're they're fucking great well well i know that Kevin Williamson, um, when he wrote the first one, he also wrote the outlines for the second and the third ones at the same time. Um, I don't know that he wrote the third one, but I think he wrote the second one. But he did have this whole, like, outline planned because, of course, like, you know, like, the entire series is, like, aping on what happened to slasher films in the, like, 1980s, which is where there's always a sequel and there's usually something after it and then there's like a million more films right um and i think that's why the second one works as well as it does and of course i haven't seen the third one yet um is just because like it's it's just like one person who just knows it really well who actually is like no like we need to make a sequel because there's more of this that we can like ape on and i think that's cool um, yeah. And it's and it's sort of like, it's a very obvious, like, well, you have to do a sequel for that, at least, because it's like, that is what happens in the movies that, you know, yeah. you are you are satirizing. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't touched on? We talk about Henry Winkler being killed. I think we, I briefly brought up his passion for yeah, his student his body. Yeah, well, he's very passionate, and then... Uh, he's the, super passionate. There's, like, a little extended scene where he's, like, freaking himself out. And then he, like, goes into the hallway of the school because he thinks he, like, hears something. And then there's a janitor out there who's dressed like Freddy Krueger and his name is Fred. I love that. That was great. That's a great little bit. Um, And then he comes back and he closes the door to his, like, principal's office. and, And fucking Ghostface is just behind the fucking door. And, like, he does this, like, whole, like, flourish with his arms, like, right before he, like, kills him. It's so funny. That's probably yeah. one of the, f- like, that kill to me is just straight up funny. Like, it's just, it's just hilarious. And, and, and like, when Ra- all of Randy's friends leave, and yeah. they're just like, oh, we gotta go see him before they take him down. Yeah. And they're just, like, rushing to go see, like, their principal, who you know professed his love for his student body yeah and the then day like before wait just... yeah oh and then like actually i think the kid who was like we have to go and see the body before they take him down i think that's one of the kids who got expelled yep <laughs> now that i think about it and if i remember it correctly yeah i think that's one of the kids oh and then also just like the great scene where like randy's on his own in the house and he's like Jamie, he's right behind you. And it's like, uh, the like actor's name is like actually like Jamie. And he's just like yeah. talking to himself. Yep. I love that shit. 
And, like, the camera's almost, like, completely, like, turned, like, 90 degrees in that shot in order to get him on the couch and then, like, when the killer walks in through the door behind him. It's such a a wild framing. And it's cool because, like, that is less to show, like, I think that, like, Jamie is scared. And it's literally just to show how fucking drunk he is. Yup. This is awesome. But, yeah, there's that. Like, I, I love the whole conclusion of this. I love... Matthew Lillard just being like, I'm getting a little woozy over here. Oh my god. Honestly, god, my awesome. dick gets reprehensibly hard when Matthew Lillard <laughs> says, I'm feeling a little woozy here. I love when she just fucking <laughs> dumps the TV on his face. Oh my god, help, I'm a movie. It, yeah, well, it's, it's. I think the help I'm a movie mascot has a VHS tape. Do we yeah. have a, oh, we do have a VHS tape for the head we can change it we can change it in post we can change it we don't need it we did get well, fuck we'll you get, and your we'll art parent yeah it's <laughs> also me in the picture <laughs> oh fuck fuck you yeah fuck you and you being in your art parent so, yeah <laughs> fuck me for making that and also fuck me for being in it just just fuck you <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, yeah. We're going to have to talk about that in the second movie because you, <laughs> yeah, on you that fucking note, love that line. Yeah, I, okay. It's so funny. He's so mad. I just, also, I think I also think he looks so handsome. He looks like he's in Sugar Ray. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> he looks like it he's is, in Sugar Ray. He, 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 more than anyone else in that second one, has the most abrasively, like, mid to late 90s, like, hair styling because he has, like, a shitty little goatee. I think he, does he have mutton chops? I don't think. I know he has mutton chops in in the second movie. Alright, yeah, we're just, we're talking about the second one now, so we we should, we should wrap this up, but I, I think we hit pretty much everything. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my notes, and I can't I, I, oh, the only, the other, only other setup thing that I really like is, like, the 30-second delay, like, right before oh, Kenny's yeah, yeah. killed. Just, like, them watching it and just, like, screaming at the TV, being like, Randy! But, yeah, it's like, like, he can't yeah. hear you. It, and like, then they, and then he turns around and then, you know, Gail has to use the windshield wipers to get Kenny, my name is not Jesus's blood, oh, yeah. off uh, the, the windshield. So good. Yeah. And yeah. Sydney just saying, fuck you both. To Randy and yeah. Stu. I want to know what and happened sh- out there. Like, out there, between Randy and Stu, what happened that Randy got back into the house? Randy probably managed to just, like, like wiggle free somehow and just, like, sprint oh, he off is somewhere. That, he is that squirrely, huh? Yeah. Oh, God, Randy. I, the true star of this film, actually, which, I mean, is, like, <laughs> if you watch... Um, I don't, there is the TV show, like MTV's Scream. Mm-hmm. The first season is actually pretty solid. But there is, a, there is like the Randy equivalent character. Oh, yeah. Um, is like, you know, just as incel. <laughs> just as incel. Just as incel. Just, just as like himself. people who are just obsessed with like st- like structure and shit like that. Yeah. Like, if I, I met that like, person in like real life, I'd just be like, "Come on." Yeah, and also just have as fun. like a <laughs> as a horror as a horror aficionado, um, I disagree with his three rules. Oh, like yeah. completely, no sex, no drinking or drugs. I'll be okay. I okay, no sex. That's a big one. Yeah, that is um, a big one. But yeah, on that note, we have a Substack. 
Oh yeah, well, Perrin has more of the the information about that stored in his encyclopedia brain than I yeah, do. Yeah, my encyclopedia brain that is, uh, yeah, um, no, so, so much. So this episode will be going up on the Substack, and then I'll probably also just put it on YouTube somewhere. But you should follow on the Substack if you're not already, because uh, we do a lot of uh, written stuff on there. My most recent thing was I ranked all of the James Bond themes. Um, and I got a bunch of flack for it. Uh, it's a very uh, controversial ranking, so you're probably going to want to get in on that and scream at me. Um, yeah, and, and I'm writing something about 90s crime thrillers Yeah, um, been... with a very broad definition of yeah, crime thriller. Of 90s crime um, so, oh, I, uh, I think the most recent thing I did on the Substack was I did a reaction to the new uh, Matrix trailer. Um, mm. which, which, which sounds very hack, but that trailer is so fucking good. And for the first time in literally years, I'm excited for like a big budget movie. Um, yeah. which is very refreshing. Um, and also there's a fucking great shot in the trailer where like, the, uh, like a door opens and one of the like agents, like does like a backflip through it into like a like hallway that's clearly in like a different reality or like uh matrix world it's such a good fucking shot it made my dick uh, reprehensibly hard reprehensibly hard yeah. now it's like if you know like we ever get popular enough we need like i need to make a sticker that says my dick is reprehensibly, <laughs> reprehensibly hard, hard i am sure. looking respectfully but my dick is reprehensibly hard and then it's just like a really awkward picture of just like David Arquette doing his like dewy smile. His <laughs> like just... dewy smile with his like eyebrows like furrowed. And he's just like, my boyish God. charms. God. Oh my God. The entire scene on the steps of, of the school where like him and Gail are like flirting. And she's <laughs> and she behind fucking... police lines. Yeah. And she fucking says like, does the police force require that you work out? And he immediately goes, no, no. <laughs> Uh, but I do it anyway, <laughs> or like something like that. And it's just like, he instantly like responds to that question. And it's so funny. It seems like a really awkward way to pair off. Cause I, I do like when horror movies are just like, okay, these are the characters that are going to be paired off together. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Dewey and Gale initially, but in the second movie, it grows on me. Oh, sure. They are. Yeah. I mean, and like. like- they're like, they're actually figuring stuff out. Yeah, and in like the second movie. One of the things about the first one is like she's so clearly trying to like manipulate him in yeah. a certain way, but then there's that also you just a, feel so bad for him because he's yeah. so so blind to it. But there's also like a tiny part, like especially towards the end of the movie, where at least I kind of get like I think she actually kind of does like him a little bit. But that could also be because I'm stupid and my dick is reprehensibly hard. So you know. It depends. Well, we're, we're still on waiting that note. for the verdict. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to, to help on movie again. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Perrin uh, at Perrin Mercer on Twitter. Um, I'm Oliver at Oliver No Filler on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and you can f- uh, find us on Substack uh, at Help on Movie, and that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, well, thanks for listening. Don't uh, get stabbed by a guy in a ghost face mask um, while your mom is 20 feet away from you. All right, goodbye. <laughs>